The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia and Peep. She's right here in my lap for once. She's not toasting by the heater. I guess it's a little warmer here today, so she must not feel as chilled. (laughs) So maybe she'll give us some meow here and there. She's been pretty quiet lately. Peep, do you have anything to say? She had a bit to say in the Patreon episode, but nothing yet. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing? Only when I don't want you to? She's just giving me a dumb look. Um, so it is Thursday, February eighth, twenty twenty four. Right now, it is like six p.m. for me, and I don't know. I don't really have much to say. <laughs> I am still trying to move. I've been painting, painting. I never want to do it again. I usually don't <laughs> mind painting, but I feel like I have so many other things to do that I'm just sick of painting. And doing the trim and doing all the little details. Oh, now Peep is leaving. She's had enough already. <laughs> she's had enough. She doesn't want to hear um, updated. <laughs> she's like, these bitches and they're chatting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just sick of painting. I'm trying to move by the end of the month, but man, whenever I start trying to pack stuff, I'm like, how am I gonna do this? <laughs> it gets very overwhelming very quickly. I've been trying to throw out stuff and it's just really hard because then you find just like random stuff, but I keep remembering what you said of be ruthless. So I'm just like, I can buy new stuff, throw it all out. I feel like one good way to tackle it is to give yourself like however long you've got, even five, 10 minutes, set a timer and just go for it. And I feel like you can get a lot done when you do it in little pieces like that. Whereas if you leave it, you're like, this is going to take me hours. It's way more overwhelming and harder to get to. I've been trying to tell myself to pack at least one box or like one bag of garbage, like a big bag uh, after work during the week. Cause it's just hard to do it after work. Cause I'm very tired. Usually I have the podcast to edit or to record, but then on the weekends we're like painting and doing other stuff of the house. So I'm probably gonna have to take off like two days from work, but it is what it is. It'll get done. And really, I don't have that much stuff. This apartment is small, so. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, Not long to go. Yes. And you have another car update. It's funny. (laughs) People are dying to know (laughs) what car this is. Another non-update. I was actually driving this morning. I took one of my daughters to school and on the way back, I saw someone. So like we pulled over and we're having a chat from our two cars and she's like, is this still the rental car? I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, so the update is that there isn't an update. It's apparently now gone to the head office of the car manufacturer in Asia. So gone from the dealership where I bought it not the car hasn't but the case has gone from the dealership where I bought it to the Australian head office and it is now at the Asian head office um the guy from the Australian head office rang me on Tuesday so it's Friday here now and he said look I think because I in my original email I did threaten legal action (laughs) or you know suggest (laughs) legal action not threaten but suggest legal action 
Um, so he, I have to say the Australian head office has been very good, but he said, I have to, we have to give them a few days grace to reply. So he said three to five days, which I agree is an acceptable time frame. So he said he will call me on Tuesday next week. So I have not heard anything else about the state of the car or what they're thinking. Um, my friend who's a lawyer, when I told her what had happened, she said she thinks it's a good sign that they are sending it to the Asian head office because there is absolutely no way they would do this just with minor issues. Like if they didn't think there was a case for it, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> another week. Like the car has now 100% absolutely been off the road for longer than we had it. I've had a few messages from people who have said similar things have happened. I haven't heard – it's interesting because I haven't heard from anyone who's had an issue with this model of car, but I have heard from people who have had other issues. I think it was on Patreon and someone's – maybe it was on Instagram anyway. Someone messaged me and said that their car had the exact same issue uh, – sorry, an issue where it leaked diesel after it was – had they had driven it for a week. So they ended up getting a brand-new car so like I am I am absolutely Hmm. agreeable to having a brand new car like I don't want the car repaired I would just like a replacement which I think is fair enough considering they don't even know what the issue of the car is it's crazy it's become like it's become like an international problem now (laughs) they have like I I need to give them credit they have given me a rental car I haven't paid a cent which I also agree I shouldn't pay a cent because this is not my issue this is an issue caused by the car being faulty but they've I've had a rental car which is very similar it's a little bit older than our car that we had so it's you know very it's fine great to drive no no issues um so in in that sense there's no real rush because we traded in our old vehicle to them to buy the new vehicle so I had no vehicle (laughs) but they've given us this rental car, which is fine. So in terms of getting around, there's no real issue, but we are still paying for a car that we don't have and we have no idea when we're going to get it back. So, Yeah, like are, do they expect you to still be making payments on it or whatever you do? Well, we, we financed it through a separate company. We didn't finance it through the car company, so we are just making the payments as if we still have the car. Uh, that's <laughs> um, annoying. Yeah, I know, it is annoying, but anyway. We'll but better safe than sorry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so... I'm not sure what will happen. Hopefully next week we'll have more of an update. Apparently, I think when I said last week when we were recording, he rang and he also rang my husband, the guy from the head office. And so he has never told me this. And I suspect there's a reason why he hasn't told me this. But he (laughs) said the whole process could take four to five months, which I'm assuming that is if they decide to give us a new car. Um, because I, you know, I understand that they'll have to order it, but he hasn't told me that because <laughs> I think he knows that I might not be happy with that, but I guess it is yeah. what it is. There's not much you can do about it. Ugh, just what an annoying mm. process. So annoying. So you, you could faster come here and buy a car <laughs> and like ship it freight back to Australia I know I know and I feel like surely because I know they had a backlog this is what I've been told anyway I haven't investigated this to see if it's actually true but the reason why it took our car so long to come in the first time was that they had had to slow down production of the cars during COVID so there was a backlog I figure surely that should be over now this has been you know life has been proper for a while now I guess there's always shortages of stuff but I feel like surely it can't take that long again, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I yeah. hope by the next time we record you have a, mm. some sort of answer. It's been like, I know it sounds dumb because it's just a car, but it has been stressful. And for a while I was waiting, like I was just thinking, are oh, they going to ring me today? And I would be like on edge. So I've had quite a good week because he told me he's not going to contact me till Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, after, after I spoke to him, I'm like, oh, I get this week free now. I'll just have to wait for next week to be stressed again. But 
Anyway. No, yeah. We'll it sucks feeling like something's hanging over your head all the time. That's how I felt with like all the mortgage stuff of just knowing something's not finished and it's still something you have to deal with and pay attention to. Yeah. So it can just be exhausting knowing that you have this cloud hanging over you kind of. And even like I've told everyone about this, I have a big mouth, so I tell everyone I know. But um, people now, like they've seen when they're like, should I even ask? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you if there's an update. There aren't any updates at the moment, really. Just waiting to hear. Yeah, definitely mm. a pain in the butt. Mm. Anyway, fingers crossed, Nelly sorted. I actually just thought of one silly story I could tell quick because I was just talking to Olivia. I'll I will edit that out, but I was just saying <laughs> I feel like I've had no fun chat lately because I've just been so miserable and working so hard on all this house stuff. But there was was it regular episode or I think it was a regular episode where I talked about having like a fear of ordering at delis and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that. it was a regular episode because we got heaps of messages about it. Yeah, so since I'm moving, even though it's kind of close to where I grew up, it isn't places I normally would have gone to. So there's a, a deli down the road from the new house that we went to. And I had to, it seems kind of like a nicer deli. So I had to build up the courage to go and order some bacon, egg and cheeses. And I was <laughs> being so brave about it. And I walked in. And I walked back to the counter. I had Mike tell me the layout so I knew exactly where to go, right Mm -hmm. to the back. That's where you order the sandwiches. (laughs) And so I get there and the woman that's there, I look up and I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, oh, my God. Because growing up when I was a kid, I lived kind of like right next to where the schools were. And across from the school was a deli. And me and my best friend growing up, we'd always walk home from the school some days to my house and on the way we'd stop at the deli and get little sandwiches and Arizona iced teas and my dad did work at that deli so he knew all of them so it was the same woman who worked at that deli when I was younger in middle school and high school that knew me was now at this deli and she was like oh my god Stephanie (laughs) she was like you look exactly the same but like older obviously but you look exactly the same and I was like oh my god hi so then I felt very confident at this deli because I was like she knows me and she's not going to judge me for the way I order a sandwich (laughs) so it was kind of just like a nice thing of being like wow I was really nervous and now I know the woman who works here so now I don't have to be scared that's good because it'll be a local soon yeah I was like I just moved down the road she's like how are your parents how's your sister blah 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 so that's pretty cool very random they were actually good. So, <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> but there's a silly story for everyone. <laughs> it's just like hard to think of new things to talk about. And my life's just been a cycle of moving, 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 chores. <laughs> no fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, we'll get on with the crime stuff now. So quick update on Jennifer Crumbly. We talked about her briefly last episode and all that was going on with her trial. Um, She was charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter, one for each victim. And so this is the first case in the United States where a parent was held accountable for a mass murder, mass shooting committed by their child. So it's history in a sense. Um, James, her husband, he is also charged with the same charges, but his trial is going to start next month, so we'll see what happens with him. Each charge carries a maximum of 15 years in prison, so Jennifer's going to be sentenced in April. 
Um, it's something we might do a full episode on. We were thinking about doing it of how parents kind of like the upbringing of school shooters. Cause I, I grew up close to Sandy Hook, which I talked about. So that's always been like a niche interest of mine. And I've read a lot about Sandy Hook and Adam Lanza and his mom. Um, I think that he is a similar case where you could kind of talk about his upbringing and just the effects it had on him again, just to for the naysayers, not saying having a rough childhood is an excuse to shoot up a school or harm anyone else, but it is interesting to see how Ethan and Adam Lanza were kind of just like toxic cesspools left to fester with no help when they clearly needed help. I've read some articles too about the implications that this verdict might have in the future um like I feel like it's a very interesting topic I I we asked on our Instagram too if people thought the verdict was fair and I think it was 92% of people said yes and 8% said no but I feel like this will be a very interesting sentencing I personally feel they will make an example out of her and she will get a very harsh sentence that's my prediction on what will happen I also wonder if the husband will not be either sentenced as harshly because I feel like with Jennifer's affair and different things like that, which so she, just as a kind of summary before, and we won't get into it too much in case we do a whole episode, but on the day of the shooting, they didn't take Ethan home from school. They said they had to go back to work. And I think she did for a period, but then she also left to go and have an affair with a man that she had been seen. I don't know if she actually left, but she told him she could leave. Like if he, uh, I haven't I thought, seen it confirmed if they well, met or not. I've seen some articles say that at the time of the shooting, she was having an affair. So I don't know if that means just in general she was having an affair or that she was actually in a hotel I think it they means, were having the affair. I think it means in general she was having an affair because the boss also said when the school shooting happened, she was there like screaming about it. Yeah. But she did was texting him that morning saying like oh like we can meet up and hook up in the parking lot so still whether she did it or not she's still saying she could go do that but couldn't take her mentally ill son home from school that the whole school was concerned about and i wonder if james i just feel like he his might turn out slightly differently to hers like i have no doubt he'll probably be convicted but i wonder if like what slander they're gonna bring out against him basically yeah so anyway i feel like it'll be an interesting process when he is trialed in March it'll be an interesting outcome from that yeah I mean I've seen people say like why should the parents be held accountable for their kids actions but in this case and in with Adam Lanza both of them both kids were clearly mentally ill and both kids were literally handed guns by their parents so I think that is kind of the bigger issue yeah of they were given guns by their parents Ethan and Adam Lanza were both, like, so clearly mentally ill. <laughs> like, they did not need access to a gun. No. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Maybe we'll do that episode. Um, I think it's something we're both interested in. So it'll probably happen eventually when this is all settled. Yeah. Before we get on with the episode, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Thrive Market. This year, I'm really trying to make life easier for myself, you know, I'm trying to be smarter about the things that I buy, purchase things that give me a little bit more time back in my life, make my life a bit easier. And just, you know, that I just feel like that makes everything run so much smoother in our household. So Thrive Market is a great go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and they can get it quickly shipped to your doorstep. It's such a huge time saver. 
It's so great that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kids snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. Lately, I've been trying to pick out things with better ingredients that are more sustainable and just better choices overall, not only for me, but also for my precious baby angel cats. Mm -hmm. So I got them from Thrive Market, these treat meow lickable cat treats that are grain free and overall just better than some of the other things out there. And they are obsessed with them. And for myself as well, like I got some organic freezer pops that are delish, like a delicious little snack when you want a sweet treat. There's so many different cool things on there. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash TCS for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TCS thrivemarket.com slash TCS. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about something a little different from the usual true crime stories. We like to shake it up every often, but this story is crazy. Um, You've probably seen it in the news, maybe not, but it was definitely something I remember seeing in the news when it happened because it was such an absurd headline, but it is the story of return to nature funeral home. Um, Their owners were accused of abusing corpses, stealing, money laundering, forging documents. But the most shocking part of the whole story is that I found almost 200 bodies, some that had been in the funeral home for years, decomposing, just open air stacked at another location that was owned by the funeral home. So all these families thought that their loved ones were cremated or whatever, but really they've been rotting in a building for years. Like one specific one I know is four years. Could you imagine thinking your loved one, you had their remains, and then you get a call four years later saying that their body is rotting in some building with 200 other bodies? Sickening. It's one of those stories where it's actually incomprehensible. Like imagine going into the funeral home and finding these 200 sets of remains that have been stored at room temperature for years. Like it would be a horror movie almost. It's almost too much to even think about. Yeah, I I couldn't even imagine walking into that. Yellow crime scene tape now surrounding the building listed as a funeral home, but you can see behind me looks as if it was abandoned. It is now emitting a very strong odor, which is what alerted law enforcement to begin with. A hastily parked Hearst, the only real sign this building is owned by a funeral home. We thought it was vacant. Joyce Pavetti and her husband have lived in their home in Penrose for 13 years. She's seen a lot of businesses come and go in the building. Five years ago, Return to Nature Funeral Home took over. It just seemed like never, never saw people, you know, never saw that. And then about a month ago, they brought a, a hearse in there. What she thought was a vacant building, now a focus for law enforcement. My husband has been outside working a lot, and every now and then he'd get a whiff of something. The Fremont County Sheriff, Alan Cooper, says inside they found 115 bodies, quote, improperly stored. Without providing too much detail to avoid further victimizing these families, the area of the funeral home where the bodies were improperly stored 
was horrific. Despite that, he says they're unsure whether a crime has been committed. There have been no arrests to date, and we don't want to speculate about arrests or possible charges at this time. We're focusing on our investigation and our victims. The return to nature funeral home offers green burial options. Colorado law, however, requires bodies not buried within 24 hours be properly stored. I want to assure everyone that this will be a very thorough and complete death investigation. Hazmat will now need to come in before the investigation can move forward, leaving families who may have used the funeral home services left wondering if their loved ones are involved. And it just makes me feel so sad for all those families. You know, it's what a horrible thing. Um. So we're going to get into that story. Um, the owners of the case are John and Carrie Hallford. The Return to Nature Funeral Home was established in 2016. The website returntonaturecolorado.com has been taken down, but it's on the Wayback Machine, so you can still see an archived version of it. I don't think I said um, that this was in Colorado. Was it Colorado Springs? um penrose colorado i think it's near colorado springs because they lived in colorado springs so i'm not yeah, entirely sure colorado of the neighborhood spring stuff yeah but uh just another thing we're like up oh, colorado again specifically <laughs> colorado springs area colorado i know we've had a few nebraskas a few missouris and now we're colorado <laughs> i just feel like colorado sticks out because they were gannon. gannon yeah shannon watts so everyone's yeah. like anytime there's a colorado just yeah isn't john bonnet yeah colorado yeah the altitude so yeah so it's on the wayback machine if you want to see it archived um just a little bit from the website it says green burial colorado the pine box company available 24 hours a day has their phone number and it says as of july 2023 return to nature no longer offers cremation services we will honor existing pre-arrangements for direct cremation only and then it goes into their mission. So I guess their main focus was that they were a green burial a company, funeral home, whatever you want to call it, where they weren't embalming bodies, kind of trying to make it seem more like the organic approach to more funerals. More environmentally friendly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it says, our mission has always been green burial. Return to Nature Funeral Home is a unique family-owned and operated, Col oh, operated Colorado Springs and Penrose mortuary service. We operate with three generations of funeral service experience and education. Our family is here to serve your family and guide you through every step of the bereavement process. We cater to your family and provide your loved ones with the utmost professional care and direction. Our family serving your family for over 80 years. And it goes on to explain a little bit more about green burials. It says green slash natural burial is a return to the traditional way of burial. No chemicals, metal, or unnatural materials, just you and the earth returning to nature. Interment of bodies is done in a biodegradable casket, basket, shroud, or even nothing at all. No embalming fluid, no concrete vaults, all as natural as possible. It goes on to say, we have two local cemeteries right here in Colorado Springs that allow for green burial. We hope to see more area cemeteries begin to welcome this return to tradition. So in 2017, John and Carrie opened their Penrose, Colorado location of the funeral home. So they had two locations at one point. John spoke about why they opened Return to Nature. He said, 
being chemically embalmed, you're transforming your body into a toxic substance for all eternity. And just, I know, like we usually discuss more then, but it's just crazy to me that he's talking about this and kind of being on what seems like a high horse about it. Like, oh, all natural, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And meanwhile, you left 200 bodies to rot in a room temperature building. What a scammer. In 2021, the Penrose location was purchased by Halford Homes LLC for $200,000. Essentially, Halford Homes LLC owns the property of the funeral home while John and Carrie operated the business. So just to note that the Return to Nature Funeral Home does still have kind of their Google profile up. They do get 4.9 out of 5 stars. So I feel like at one stage they were a functioning you know, established business. I'll just read a few of them. It says, they were so amazing and compassionate. They helped us through every little detail from start to finish. The viewing room and my brother looked so peaceful. You just felt peace walking in there. Thank you very much, Return to Nature, for helping our family through this. There's another one that says, this is a very friendly, a well-run family business and it shows. They were very helpful when my brother passed away. I don't currently live in Colorado, but they took care of everything from Houston where where I am and couldn't have been better to my family. Obviously, losing a loved one is extremely difficult, but they went out of their way to make everything as easy as possible, and that was a blessing. Thank you, John and Carrie. We are forever grateful. So it was a very successful business at one point, very highly regarded, I guess, in the funeral home industry, which is just makes the fall from grace even more interesting. It's another thing where it seems like COVID was maybe the start of the downfall. And other cases I've heard of like this, the funeral home seems to have always been shady. They're like, they're like, you know, people will come forward and say, I always knew that there was something not right. But it seems like for a very long time or a while anyway, they were doing quite well and were adhering to rules and, you know, a proper business. Yes. It seems like it was also because I think they said something about three generations, maybe once the generation before this passed away is kind mm. of when it started going to shit. I wonder if, like, I tried to find out more about the history of the funeral home, but I guess people have distanced themselves now. But I wonder if John and Carrie bought it from whoever had had it for X amount of years. And Yeah. Yeah. that's. I would like to know more about that. Well, yeah, it must be because I guess it says they established it in 2016. Mm. So... So in November 2022, the license that the funeral had expired, there's an article from KOAA.com that outlines the requirements in Colorado in terms of licensing for funeral homes or funeral directors. Um, There's not a lot of requirements. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've read that Colorado is apparently very lax on this. A lot of other states have much more regulation and, you know, it's a lot stricter, whereas apparently Colorado is a bit whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and this is the result. seems Mm. like pretty easier for scammers to get into. Well, Colorado has few laws regulating the funeral home industry. Last year, lawmakers did make some changes to the green burial law and allowed for law enforcement to go in and inspect these facilities. According to Dora documents online, the owner did not allow for that to happen initially, but the sheriff's office says he is now cooperating. In Penrose, Karen Morfitt covering Colorado First. Now, as Karen mentioned, the new funeral regulations were adopted last year by the state legislature. That came after two funeral home operators from Montrose went to prison for their part in the sale of human body parts. The operators who ran the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home on the Western Slope were accused of selling those parts for research without families knowing. They pled guilty to charges related to that case. Um, It says the president of the Colorado funeral directors, Joseph Walsh, said there is no specific license required for people working in funeral homes. People working in funeral homes do not need a certificate, education or license. 
Instead, it's the funeral home itself that is required to renew their license every year. Michael Hendry is the general manager of the Holt Family Funeral Home in Cannon City. He said, in the state of Colorado, we are very unique. We do not require licensing for funeral directors or education requirements for funeral directors. Hendry has a degree in mortuary science, but in the state of Colorado, it's not a requirement. He said, even though it's not a requirement, many of the funeral home directors he knows do have a degree in mortuary science. Hendry said, according to state regulations, one of five things must happen within 24 hours of someone passing away. And those are the individual has to be either embalmed, refrigerated, cremated, buried, or donated to science. A law that was passed in the spring of 2023 allowing the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies to inspect funeral homes. And before this year, the department didn't have authorization to do so. <sighs> so, so like crazy. <laughs> literally, any like I could open a funeral home and just be like, all right, bring me the bodies. And when you think no that knowledge. <laughs> dead bodies if you deal with you know human bodies it's a biohazard like i just can't believe that there was no regulation or you know no way for them to regulate it in colorado because they weren't authorized to go and inspect these funeral homes yeah it's really insane to think about it so in early 2023 some financial and legal legal issues against the halfords emerged according to public records they missed tax payments they were evicted from one of their properties and they were sued for unpaid bills by a crematory that had quit doing business with them that crematory was wilbert funeral services and they cut ties with return to nature in november 2022 in march 2023 wilbert funeral services filed a suit against halford homes LLC, and Carrie and John. It won after court records show that the Hallfords did not attend the court hearing. The records show the Hallfords owed the company more than $18,000. The Fremont County Assessor's Office website states that, the Hallford, states that Hallford Homes owes over $5,000 in property taxes and interest from the 2022 tax year. And in April 2023, Kenny and Company, which is a property management company serving the Colorado Springs area, filed a civil lawsuit against the Hallfords and returned to Nature Funeral Home. The second civil lawsuit remains active in the district court with the most recent filings coming from September of 2023. A third civil lawsuit demanding up to $15,000 in damages was also filed against Hallford Homes in 2020, but the case was dismissed with prejudice only three months after filing. So it seems like most of the civil lawsuits are about um, non-payment. I feel like, too, when the Wilbert Funeral Home cut the ties with them, that was when this all started to snowball. So I feel like they were outsourcing a lot of their cremation to the Wilbert Funeral Home, and once they wouldn't accept the remains anymore, that's when, I guess, they They started to to let them pile up and had no other way to get rid of them. Yeah, so in July 2023, as we said, Return to Nature stopped offering cremation services altogether. Then in October 2023, a complaint was filed against the funeral home after a foul odor was reported as coming from the property. John told authorities that the smell was due to his taxidermy hobby. Um, I did see a clip, if I can find it again, I'll put it in, of one of the neighbors talking about how they actually thought the building was vacant because it wasn't it wasn't a building that they used as a funeral home. It was their location that closed. So it was basically was a vacant building, but it was really filled with all these bodies. And she said how they didn't even know anything was going on there, but they would get a whiff of a horrible smell every so often. 
It's so crazy to me because I was reading about another case where one person was found dead in the chimney of a home. Like they'd been missing for a while and then they were found dead in the chimney and they said the smell was horrendous. So I think one person and imagine 189 bodies, imagine the smell. It must Even have- just not to be graphic or like gory, but if you think about roadkill, like when yeah. roadkill is sitting out for a while, you could smell it from pretty far away. Yeah. I just can't even imagine like the the – extent of that smell must have been insane yeah so this info about the situations from the affidavit says on or about october 4 2023 a colorado department of regulatory agency investigator spoke with john to gain access to the building john agreed to meet an inspector inside the building for inspection the owner told told the department he was using the building in Penrose to learn how to do taxidermy and that he knew he had a problem there. An appointment between the department and the owner was set up for 2 p.m. on October 4th, 2022. However, John failed to show up for the appointment and this was the last communication law enforcement had with him. I actually feel like that should be 2023, but that's direct from the affidavit. So I think it's a typo that Mm -hmm. it's all happening in October. So John failed to show up on October 4th. Authorities entered the funeral home and what they found was described as horrific, which I could only imagine. This info also comes from the affidavit about the condition. It says the conditions within the building were abhorrent. Bodies were located stacked on top of each other and some were not in body bags. Human decomposition fluids and insects lined the floors. Some of the bodies had dates of death in 2019 and the positive identification of all bodies has been difficult. Officials said that they estimated the 2,500-square-foot building contained about 115 bodies. After transporting all their remains to El Paso County Coroner's Office, the number of bodies was raised to 189. I just want to, like, so I don't know if that's actually true about the 190, but, I like, that's what I was talking about before. We're not sure. So, like, it says 180. Everything pretty much says 189, but they were charged with 190. Um, Abuses of ab- corpse abuse of corpse charges so we're not sure why there's a discrepancy there or if one body maybe had two for some reason yeah or yeah i don't know i guess there's a million not a million but there's a few reasons why it could be but yeah all the total figure of remains i've seen are is 189 bodies but they have been charged with 190 counts of abuses of corpse so i don't i'm not sure why the discrepancy yeah So Fremont County Coroner Randy Keller said that his teams were using fingerprints, dental records, and DNA samples to conduct what they expected to be a very lengthy identification process that could last months. Authorities were said to have taken special care to avoid biohazards after an employee with the county coroner's office sustained a rash. Upon initially entering the facility, she made a full recovery after receiving medical treatment. Ugh. Imagine getting a rash just from being exposed to like dead body air and fluids like what a biohazard yeah i know colorado governor jared polis issued a verbal disaster declaration in order to free up additional resources for the investigation an effort that has included both state and federal bureau of investigation three county coroner's offices, the state emergency management agency, and state and local police agencies. Some of the investigators that attended the scene had come from an FBI team that is dispatched to deal with mass mass casualty events like 9-11 and airline crashes. 
It's so crazy to me. Like even I know in terms of mass shootings, if they know there's going to be, you know, say 10 or 15 victims, they have to mobilise so many people. Imagine the amount of people needed to deal with 189 sets of remains and most of them would be unrecognisable and decomposed. So it would be a massive, massive job. I'm sure it had to be hard to even figure out how many bodies they were. There were if they were just so haphazardly stacked and somewhere in there for years. I'd imagine it has to all become, not to be gross, but mixed together in a sense. So a lot of it probably had to just come from what they could confirm. And then it's like, how do you even know it's 100% accurate? Like that you didn't miss something. Because I guess with decomposition is essentially when the body breaks down. So if they're stacked on top of each other, they're all going to be breaking down on each other. Like it's, yeah, it would be such a mess. Yeah. So the affidavit goes into detail about phone numbers used by the Hoffords and how they tracked one of the numbers to Oklahoma, which is where they believe the couple fled to. So when John didn't show up for that appointment, it seems like they fled the state. So they executed a search warrant on the couple's home in Colorado Springs on October 17. According to the affidavit, it says the Halfords were not located at their residence and items such as their toothbrushes were were missing. The landlord for the residence was also contacted and she told law enforcement that they did not make their October rent payment. A landlord for a property that the couple used sent them eviction notice via email on October 31st, 2023. Again, this info is from the affidavit. It says the landlord sent an eviction notice to their email account and they replied to indicate they would not contest the eviction. They also told the landlord they would not be able to remove their property and for the landlord to do with it what he wanted. I submit this behavior is consistent with the Holford's flight out of Colorado. So basically they just left and left everything behind. They didn't tie up their toothbrushes. Yeah. (laughs) That's so (laughs) weird. I wondered if that was like a DNA thing because what a random thing. Like I'm sure that you could (laughs) – it's so weird too that they – bought new ones. And they pointed out in the affidavit that the toothbrushes were gone. Like I feel like that is an easy thing to buy even if you leave it behind. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So as of November 2023, so that was a month after the bodies were found, at least 137 families had been reached, 110 of the dead had been identified, and the remains of 25 people had been returned to their surviving families. The EPA concluded that the building itself was too full of biohazards to ever be reused, and it was demolished in January 2024. There's some photos up where people have put flowers and signs, and it says, never again, no more victims. I feel like that is, I agree, that's the only way they could have, like what else could you do with that building? Yeah, nothing. So John and Carrie were arrested in November 2023 in Wagoner, Oklahoma, and they were extradited back to Colorado in January 2024. As we said, they are facing 190 corpse abuse counts, over 50 forgery counts, five theft counts, and four money laundering counts. The first court hearing was held in January 2024. FBI agent Andrew Cohen testified about how gruesome the conditions were in the funeral home. He said they were stacked on top of one another and flies and maggots were found throughout the building. Prosecutors also revealed text messages sent between the Horfords showing that they were under financial pressures and that they were scared that they would be caught for mishandling the bodies. As the bodies accumulated, John even suggested getting rid of them by digging a big hole or treating them with lye or setting them on fire. Have you seen any background on them? I haven't. No. Um, Like, did they have any mortuary science background or any background? Because I don't know. It doesn't seem seem like like they – I've never read that they do. It doesn't seem like they did. So as far as I know, no. Yeah, like I wonder what they did before this. 
So the judge also noted that the couple was experimenting with water cremation and thinking of other ways to dispose the bodies, including burying them with the bodies of others. They also gave concrete mix to the families instead of the ashes of people. We had, had a message to the Instagram saying, why didn't the families come forward? Why didn't they say that they're, you know, they'd never got the remains of the loved ones? People thought they had. They were, I've seen the like photos of the bags and basically they were given what looks like ash, but essentially it's been said to be concrete dust. So mm-hmm. I guess like I would never know the difference. Like how would you know the difference if you've never had a loved one pass away? This is the first set of cremains that you've got. I absolutely can see how people would have believed it was the remains. And also who would think that yeah, someone not would do this? Yeah. yeah. So there was a September 9 surveillance video of John that showed him moving some bodies. But apart from this, Carrie's lawyer argued that there was no evidence that they had mistreated the bodies in any way other than passive neglect (laughs) which I guess so John and Carrie both bonded out John was appearing in court today which is February 8 and Carrie is due back in March so there have been a few small updates I'll read them um, and there might be some more information coming out before this episode is released so if there is we'll put a clip in and post it on the blog and the Instagram as well But it said the presiding judge is expected to release the arrest affidavits for both John and Carrie. That will include photos from inside the funeral home where the remains of nearly 200 people were found. So that is, I feel, the main thing that might come out in the next week. And if it does, we will let you know. It also went in to talk about the money laundering charges that the couple face. It said the defense said that the specific charges should not be considered due to the nature of the way the money was spent. The only witness that was called today was, again, Andrew Crowen from the FBI. He described the funeral home as being kept at 70 degrees Fahrenheit and when examining the building, three makeshift cooling devices were made but were not working. He said that some of the bodies were wrapped in plastic, some were exposed, and a layer of human decomposition fluid and insects covered the floor. He said the oldest body in the building was listed as dying on September 15th, 2019, and the most recent was August 22nd, 2023. So four years they let this go on for. Agent Cohen said he examined business bank records in their name and they had personal expenses for travel, entertainment, bars, restaurants, and crypto investment. So Mm. they were living large despite all these people not being able to cremate all these people. I was just looking from to try to see if I could find any more background on them, which I still can't find if he had any degree or anything, but he definitely had worked at multiple funeral homes because even in like earlier on, like 2006, he had disputes for like not paying employees at a different funeral home and some other things from a different funeral home in Oklahoma so it seems like he's been a shitty funeral scammer for a while for a long time yeah and in terms of them spending there was also a charge for a $1,500 dinner in Las Vegas It says, so the judge agreed with the prosecution that the willful actions of John during these purchases and how they could be related to contracts of services not delivered to families as a result of the excess of bodies. And he bound four charges of money laundering. John will be back in court after today on March 21, 2024. So families of some of the deceased have spoken out. Morella Canfield-Jones was a victim of the funeral home and she was 38 when she died in 2019. Her father collected her ashes or her remains from the return to nature funeral home a few weeks after her death. He said that he and his wife placed the remains in a hand-blown glass globe that spelled out love and they started to grieve and heal from their loss. The FBI called Morella's family four years after that she after she died and they'd learned that she had not been cremated and that she'd been left to rot at the funeral home. 
her family were told that they had received cement dust or someone else's remains. I believe that they're testing a lot of the remains that the families had to determine if it is someone else or if it was just dust. What a nightmare. Sheila, her mother, said to think that her body was lying there for four years is devastating. To think of the bodies of our loved ones had become biohazards. So Kelly Bennett was someone who read the reviews of Return to Nature online. Her aunt, Janet McGowan, died in 2019. And because of the good reviews, Kelly said that she felt comfortable engaging Return to Nature. She said they look like a good business. They had good reviews. And so we called them when she passed away. She said that John went to the house to collect Janet after she passed. And they picked up an urn a few weeks later that was said to have Janet's remains. So they were contacted as well by authorities after the Return to Nature scam was found out. She said, at this point, we don't even know if we have my art. We don't know if we have cement. We could have someone else for all that we know. There's another lady called Abby Swoveland who says that she believes the home gave her cement dust instead of her mother's ashes. She said, I'm completely convinced that what I have is actually a bag of powdered cement. They're not ashes. Christina Page's son, David, was shot and killed in 2019. She had been given her son's apparent remains and only found out in 2023 that her body, his body had been laying in the funeral home for the whole time. She said, my son has been laying there rotting for four years. It's the most horrendous feeling I've ever had in my life. I just can't even imagine finding that out. Like, it has to be so devastating to find out your son, like your child or any loved one, that that's how their body and their remains were treated when grief and dealing with someone that you love passing away is hard enough. And then to learn their body was disrespected in such a way, that is awful. I feel like there's a reason too why rest in peace is a thing because as a grieving family, you'd like to believe that your loved one is resting in peace, you know, somewhere peaceful, somewhere beautiful. That's why people have funerals. That's why you have the process of, you know, burial or cremation. But then to find out that they've actually been, you know, disrespected would be horrific. Yeah, and like the funeral, the whole process is about respect in a sense, like showing your respects and trying to honor this person. And then after the fact, you find out the funeral home who it's like literally their business is to do this for you, basically just treated them like trash, garbage, like they were worthless. Just terrible. She was sassy. Born and raised in Korea. She loved to cook. She loved to take care of people. Young Anderson, Tanya Wilson's mom struggled letting other people take care of her after she had a stroke before passing in June of this year. We went to Hawaii to spread her ashes in the ocean, which she wanted to turn out that they weren't were her ashes at all. The family learned their mother was never cremated and was one of the bodies found at Return to Nature Funeral Home in Penrose in early October. We hear decomposed bodies over and over and over again but it's kind of an abstract term. I just don't think people realize just how horrific this really is. And I don't really think, given everything that they've done, justice is ever going to be served. There's not enough jail time or prison time that will make up for what they did. So some of the families involved have launched a class action lawsuit against the Horfords. I found this this especially this case especially interesting because Richard Law is the lead plaintiff and his father Roger died in November 2020 from COVID. So this was peak COVID time. He chose return to nature to care for his father and he was actually charged an additional $85 as a COVID upcharge to ensure the remains were safely handled. So he said he got a box of what he was told was his father's ashes. 
and he's not sure, obviously, now if that's what it is. He said in his lawsuit, the Horford's conduct is so outrageous in character and so extreme in degree as to go beyond all possible bounds of decency. It is utterly intolerable in a civilised community. An attorney representing the families in the class action lawsuit said, even as bodies were piling up inside the funeral home, John and Carrie Horford continued to assume custody of more and more bodies. In death, these men and women deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Instead, they were defiled. So that is it in terms of the chronological timeline of the Return to Nature Funeral Home case. Obviously, it'll be ongoing this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into next year, but we'll keep you updated when anything does happen. There are a lot of similar cases, which is crazy to me because there shouldn't be. But when you Google, you know, funeral home crime, funeral home lawsuit, there are so many. But none like as this massive. No, this is, I've never, ever, ever seen one of this scale before. Um, Usually it's a few bodies, which is still not, you know, that's still horrible, but never, ever have I ever seen 189 bodies left. There was one that I found interesting in LA that happened recently. In 2022, Mark Allen, he was the owner of Mark B. Allen Mortuary and Cremation Services in Los Angeles. He was accused of allowing 11 deceased bodies to rot, including the bodies of infants. The remains were found in various stages of decay and mummifications on two separate occasions over the past year. So I don't even know why after the first occasion he was. <laughs> why are they still allowed? Um, It says the putrefied bodies were discovered by authorities after they received several complaints from family members. Um, According to a petition to shut down the funeral home, the bodies were found in April 2021 in a storage unit that had a temperature of roughly 60 degrees. Officials observed a swarm of flies buzzing around the unit's exhaust vent and noted a foul and overwhelmingly strong scent of decay. This is part of from the affidavit. It says... um, When the representative went to the cremation and mortuary, he observed a cold storage room that contained the remains of two decedents wrapped in sheets on a rolling table, two decedents in cremation containers and one decedent in a casket, so five individuals on site. The bureau representative estimated the temperature in the unpermitted cold storage room was approximately 60 degrees Fahrenheit and shared a concern about the temperature not being cold enough to slow or stop decomposition. Hmm. So another crazy one. yeah, it happens. I've, I I feel like there needs to be tighter controls, tighter, you know, like more regular inspections of these funeral homes. It's crazy how how many times this slips through. When we said we were going to cover this case, we had so many messages from people saying, "What about this one? What about this one?" It happens regularly. Yeah, like it's something that needs to be regulated. If you're dealing with dead bodies, at least a couple people there should have. A mortuary science degree or at least like a biology degree and then maybe if anything they could teach other people who have like worked there for a long time but it's crazy that you could have a funeral home with no one who has any sort of science degree any sort of biology degree mortuary science like dead bodies are a biohazard it's yeah. not just like something that you whatever. can make up how to deal with it is a process and yeah it also reminds me of i know it's slightly different but in some towns cities whatever we've talked about this before the coroner doesn't need to have like any educational background really either just (laughs) like an elected position so you have this person who's supposed to help solve crimes or do autopsies or go to the scene and they they're just whoever that was elected (laughs) it's crazy yeah so i think all of that is pretty archaic and needs to be updated especially 
like this at least hopefully the silver lining is that maybe it can make some changes so that this never happens again and people aren't taken advantage of when they're their most vulnerable basically i feel like surely this has to lead to some reform in colorado if nothing else Mm. there was an article i found from 2014 where it talks about a funeral home that was closed down because bodies had been left there for two years but there was two bodies. So this was like headline news. It was, it's horrible. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely horrible. But two bodies were found. They'd been in this funeral home for two years. And then 189 bodies. It's just incomprehensible. I'm just trying to think of like 200 people basically. Yeah. Like, Imagine, I'm thinking like at work, like yeah. everyone I work with, and that would probably only be like 30 people. So that times however many or if you go to the grocery store, everyone at the grocery store, it's hard to actually imagine how many people is 200 bodies almost. If you think about like a school bus, you can probably fit, I don't know, four school buses worth of people would be around 200 people. It's ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, like we were saying, there might be some more information that comes out from the affidavit. So we'll either post that on Instagram if there's any good clips about it. I will put it in here. For months, people have been wondering what went on inside this Penrose funeral home. A judge unsealed this arrest affidavit, which explains some of the evidence against John and Carrie Halford. Prosecutors accused the couple of 190 counts of abusing corpses. To prove that, they plan to use the Halford's own surveillance footage. The affidavit says it shows John brought a body inside in the dark of night, and he flipped the deceased body off the gurney onto the floor. Another instance, a family paid the Halfords to bury their loved one, a Vietnam veteran. Yet law enforcement found his body and inside his grave, a female's body. The core of the case is that people paid the Halfords to bury or cremate their loved ones. Prosecutors say they never did that, falsified death certificates and pocketed the money, spending it instead on things like a $9,000 trip to Vegas, $3,400 worth of Tiffany's jewelry, and 8500 on laser body sculpting. Otherwise, just check out our Instagram for the latest updates. And you can follow us at True Crime Society on Instagram. Um, and if you want to follow our personal accounts to see what we're up to, mine is StephSum underscore Olivia's is TCS Olivia. And you can follow us there. We also have a Patreon that you should check out if you want to listen to all the episodes ad-free. We also do weekly bonus episodes. We just did one about the Jameson family, which is very mysterious. So, And also, if you join now, you still get the backlog of all the other bonus episodes we've been doing since we started Patreon. So pretty cool. So check us out there. Um, what else? Just the usual. Leave us a nice reviews, nice comments, share it with your friends, rate us on Spotify, five stars. <laughs> five stars only. <laughs> five stars only. And please share to your Instagram stories or whatever. It's a great way to help us grow our audience. Thanks for listening. I'm like getting distracted by people. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya.